Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up, and move the ball. Hey, Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also leave us a review. Now, today I'm doing a very special episode similar to a segment that I did last week. So last week, I ended up doing an episode on leadership lessons on how to navigate through a pandemic. And in that segment, I ended up talking about what my journey has been like going through this year. And then I pulled together clips from prior guest episodes on different tips and pieces of advice and wisdom that some of my guests shared that I thought were very relevant on navigating through these uncertain times and trying to get through this pandemic. And look, I've said before that we can't control what goes on around us, but there are three things that we can control. One, our mindset. Two, our attitude. And three, our action. So I want you to start thinking about the things that you can control. And if you haven't already listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. I think you're going to find quite a bit of great advice that's going to inspire and motivate you and really help you, especially if you're struggling to go through these times. So go back and take a listen to that episode. And to those who have already listened to that show and reached out to me and let me know your thoughts, thank you so much for listening. And I really appreciate your feedback. And that really inspired me to do this episode, another compilation. But before I get into today's episode, I just want to share with you something that I've been working really hard over the last few months to do. I'm excited to share that it's out. So if you're struggling and you're a woman, what I did was I put together a course called Optimize Your Life. And the reason for this is it really is time to take charge, take command, reclaim 2020. Look, this year has not started off how we would have liked. Uh, and maybe if it started off well, it certainly the last few months have been full of, of dark times and uncertainty. And yeah, there's been some opportunity and stuff, but it hasn't been a year that any of us have expected. But just because it hasn't been the best year so far, that doesn't mean we need to let this year beat us. We can take the reins back, control what we can control, And let's end this year on a high note. And so if you're struggling and you're looking for some coaching and some accountability and some training and help, I'd encourage you to take a look at my Optimize Your Life course. You can go to powerandimpact.com. Again, that's powerandimpact.com. I've got this on-demand online course. Again, it's called Optimize Your Life. There's all kinds of training videos in it. There's also uh, worksheets and assessments. You can go as slow as you want, as fast as you want at your own pace. And it's really going to help you kind of get things in order so that you can Again, finish 2020 in a way that you can be proud of. So I'll just share a little bit more. What are some of the things that I cover in there? We talk about, first of all, gaining clarity, getting your mindset right. And then we talk about how to reduce the stress in your life, how to increase your productivity, how to tackle procrastination, how to increase your confidence, how to achieve better balance. So these are things I go into depth with and more how to deal with uncertainty and how to celebrate the wins in your life are some other things, how to stay mentally strong. So I cover all of these lessons in depth. And again, there's also 
worksheets, there's assessments, because for me, it's not just about me teaching you and training. It's also about you putting in the work and figuring out how do I apply the things? How do I take action to be able to move the ball and to be successful? And again, it's time to take charge of 2020. And again, let's finish this on a very strong note and make this year something that we can be proud of. So I'm not going to say any more about that, but if you are interested, go to powerandimpact.com. You can also use the promotional code SGG, all capital, SGG 2020. I'll have that in the show notes and you can get the entire course for $99. And so uh, it's a great course. I've gotten some great feedback from people that have already taken the course and check it out. And if you are a guy, if you know any women out there in your network that are struggling and can use a course like this, it would mean so much to me if you would share it with them. So, all right, enough about that. Let's get into today's show. So I want to start off our episode with a gentleman by the name of Doug Bowden. Now, Doug and I had a fantastic conversation, and Doug is currently the CEO of Halo Top International, but he's also the co-founder of Halo Top. And that's right, Halo Top, the ice cream. So maybe some of you have had it. Maybe some of you have seen it in the store. Um, but it's great. It's been great for me to see Halo Top's journey over the past seven years or so. And so I wanted to start off this episode with a segment from Doug where we're talking about the first 90 days of his entrepreneurial journey. And another thing I love about Doug is Doug kind of went off and did something uncomfortable. Doug was a lawyer, corporate lawyer. He wasn't really, that wasn't his thing. And so he decided to venture off into a new space, the world of food, which he had no experience, no expertise. And they've grown the company. The company's doing nine figures in revenue on an annual basis. So have a listen to Doug's clip. He shares some great pieces of advice. And I think you're really going to find his segment inspiring and motivating. And talk to us about what was that first 90 days being an entrepreneur like for you? Exhilarating. I don't know if you're familiar. There's, uh, I always go back to this chart and it, it talks about like when you first take the leap and go, your, your adrenaline is going, you're, you're so fired up to be working for yourself, doing what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, that that lasts for a period of time. Then it wears off and, and you hit, I think what they term in the charts is like the valley of despair or the trough of despair. <laughs> which we absolutely hit and we can get into that in a bit. But once that wears off, you then, you know, you realize you've got to grind day in and day out for weeks, months and years, really, uh, for most entrepreneurs. And and there's still no guarantee that it'll it'll yield the result you want at the end of the day. So that was the hardest part is once you get past that honeymoon phase of, hey, I'm not working at a law firm. This is great. I can, you know, go work out when I want or I can go eat when I want or I can make whatever weekend or, or evening plans I want. Once that kind of wears off and, and you wake up every day and you're, you're grinding day in and day out and your your idea or your startup doesn't take off immediately, it becomes hard. That, that's that's a tough time. Oh, yes. I, I believe it. I've been there. Uh, so I'm in year one of my entrepreneurial journey. But, you know, I'm, I'm an attorney as well. I worked in the corporate world and I made a big leap at the end of the year. And I just realized that today that we're recording is the nine month anniversary of me being on this entrepreneurial wow, journey. And uh, Thank you. And, you know, it is it, it's into the it's great to have the freedom, you know, the like, yeah, I control my schedule. But you're always working like the last few nights I've been up till one, one thirty every day working feels great. I'm enjoying it. It's my passion, but it's not, it is not a nine to five job. That's for sure. Yeah. You work a lot many more hours than in the corporate world. 
it's it's a double-edged sword in that sense. You care so much about it. it it's your baby and, and you, you pour everything you have into it, your, your heart, your blood, sweat and tears that you're absolutely right. You know, I, I remember, you know, I, I'd wake up. I still do. You know, sometimes I'll just pop up at like 4 a.m. wide awake with, you know, my mind's racing about something going on with the business that for whatever reason, my mind and body say, get up and go handle this now, which is not the healthiest uh, thing to do. But um, so I get it. I think a, a lot of entrepreneurs are wired the exact same way as you. Yes. And so talk to us about the, the first year is always a tough year. As you get more momentum, it seems to be, I don't want to say easier. It's not easier, but you feel like, yes, I'm making progress, bringing in revenue, but getting going is always tough. And so talk to us about the rest of that first year. How did you guys stay focused as an entrepreneur? You pivot all the time, right? Depending on your customer feedback, uh, environmental factors in COVID. I've pivoted quite a bit. I'm sure you guys have pivoted in some ways as well. So talk to us about that first year and the struggles and how did you keep going? Yeah. And I'll say uh, we were fortunate that uh, we did not found our startup amidst a, a global pandemic. I cannot imagine uh, the curveball that th- that throws to you and other entrepreneurs that, that are at your stage. So uh, credit to you and the other ones out there who are persevering, to your point, are pivoting and, and are, you know, frankly, just figuring it out. That, that's what it's about at the end of the day. For us, though, our story. So year one, uh, 2013, that was Again, kind of, I'm going to call it a honeymoon year in a sense. We weren't really at many stores. So there wasn't a benchmark to say we were kind of selling the idea and the concept more than sales. I'll get into why that was an issue later on. But so that year, we got to raise money and we we raised about $500,000. It closed in September of 2013. And we started to sell into different accounts, including Sprouts Farmers Market. That was our biggest one. It was a couple hundred stores uh, in and around the Southwest region of the U.S., But we hadn't been in stores long enough or really in enough stores where people were benchmarking our sales like, hey, did you grow from last year? That always becomes the challenge as you as you keep going. So we didn't have that pressure in year one because we were benchmarking against zero in sales, basically. Problem was in year two and year three, those were the really difficult years for us because now we're benchmarking against year one. Sales aren't going nearly as well as they should. Uh, we had to reformulate the product entirely. We rebranded the product entirely, to your point. Uh, we pivoted our retail strategy in terms of just going for kind of Whole Foods and Sprouts and, and those more organic or natural stores to actually looking at Kroger and, and some of the more conventional uh, stores, which was a big pivot for us at the time. But those years two and three, when again, we were getting discontinued at a lot of stores, our customer retention was not great. The customer experience uh, with the product was not great. And that, that was a tough time because you've worked so damn hard and you put so much into it and you're just not getting that traction. You're, you're not getting uh, you're not getting the result. And, and no matter if you're going through the right process, no matter if you're the smartest, hardest worker, it's not enough at the end of the day. You, you, you need some breaks as well, and uh, we can get into it. But we ultimately got, got a few breaks starting in 2016 that fortunately kind of put us on, on a growth curve where the results started coming. You can have a clear plan, but you better have, you know, 10 different ways to pivot that plan. And ultimately, for me, it comes down to control what you can control. And I still work at this. I think everybody has to. It's it's not something that comes naturally because it's so easy to lose focus of that and, and to start worrying about the results and a lot of things that are outside of your control. And then also to say, hey, if something happens in this plan, there's a hundred different ways it could go wrong. So now you could spend all of your time trying to think of the hundred different pivots you could make and all the ways you could mitigate and this and that. Or you could, you know, basically say, look, I think this is the best path forward right now. 
let me put my head down. Let me go task by task, you know, what there is to do. Let me do the 10 things in front of me. Then I'm going to pick my head up. I'm going to see where I'm at and see if I need to pivot from where I was last week or last month or last quarter, whatever it may be. You kind of break it down into those increments. So that's how I ultimately approached it. And I think it's one of those things when you think about everything that you have to do as an entrepreneur to honestly, even to, to do it for nine months, uh, like you've done so far, that's an incredible accomplishment. And I, I, I can imagine everything you've had to do to, to found it, to keep it going, to you know, and obviously to continue to keep it going beyond that. I think a lot of people outside looking in would be like, oh my God, how did you do the literally 1 million things you've had to do small and big to make this thing work for, for a year or whatever it may be? But I don't think it's rocket science if you break it down into those kind of manageable increments where you say, look, I did 10 things on Monday. I did 10 things on Tuesday, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, after a day, a week, a month, uh, whatever it may be, you kind of pick your head up and say, all right, where did I think I was going to be? Where am I at now? And what, if anything, do I need to change about my direction? I really liked what Doug had to say about controlling what you can control. That goes back to what I said earlier. I just think it's so important that we focus on those things that we have control over and don't worry about the rest. It's so easy for people to get uh, sucked into worrying about everything else that they have absolutely no control over. So whether you're an entrepreneur or not, focus on what you can control and don't worry about the rest. So this next guest I'm really excited to share with you is a wonderful woman by the name of Liza Huber. In a former life, Liza was an actress, and she also had starred for 10 years on the soap opera Passions. If any of you remember Passions from back in the day, I actually used to watch it when I was in college and I had breaks in between classes, so I'll admit that. Anyway, so Liza, after her acting career, ended up going on an entrepreneurial journey. She founded a company called Sage Spoonfuls, which has been very successful. She's had many, many years of seven-figure revenue. And she's also an award-winning cookbook author. She's a wife. She's a mom of four kids. And she's been featured in so many different media outlets, such as Good Morning America, Dr. Oz, uh, Hallmark Home and Family. And she's also been in Forbes.com. She's been in their Female Entrepreneurs Rocking the World series. So she's just done a fantastic amount of things in her life. And I'm really excited to have a segment from her show on today's episode where she's talking about her journey, how to deal with rejection, how she deals with rejection, and staying true to who you are and your core purpose. So have a listen to Liza's clip now. So you mentioned that you would handle rejection differently in your 40s now. So how would you handle rejection today? Well, rejection now is different, right? Because it's business. I guess it's all the same. Rejection is rejection. I don't take rejection personally. Business is business. And you just keep going. And you realize there's a thousand different reasons why someone can be rejected. And also, you know, in those 20 years, you know, since I was an actor, I mean, or or starting on Passions, I've got to say some of the very best things that have ever happened to me, both personally and professionally, have come out of rejection or very difficult circumstances. So my view now is, okay, this seems terrible on the surface, but I look back historically and something really awesome is going to happen because of this life experience, you know? 
Yes. No, I, I truly believe that everything happens in our lives for a reason, even if it's not fun and it could be a rejection or some other unpleasant event. And there's always good things that come about from it. And one thing that I, I like to tell people, someone just asked me yesterday about how do you deal with rejection? And I said, you know, if someone tells you no, it just means that they're not meant to be on your journey with you, but you keep going. Very true. I'm a firm believer that there is some kind of higher powers, karma, something, because it really is amazing how if you leave yourself open to taking different directions and going with the flow, like you wind up places that are better and different than anything you could have ever planned for yourself. And when you look back on where you came from, a lot of it is growth from rejection. So I don't worry about rejection anymore. It just means it's leading to something better. And I know being an entrepreneur myself that the entrepreneurial road is one that is, it's really an interesting experience and that characterization doesn't do it justice, but there are so many emotions that you can feel in a week or even a day as the day goes on and no entrepreneur's story is without struggle or obstacles. Can you tell us about a time where you had a major obstacle or a setback and what you did to overcome it? Every day, right? Every yes. single day is a problem and every single day is a roller coaster. I mean, you can wake up feeling amazing and like before lunch, you're feeling terrible. And then you're circling back around to being like, oh my God, I'm great. I mean, there's a hundred things. It's a roller coaster ride. There's challenges constantly. I mean, look, my main challenge for me is that I've made the decision and here we are seven years in business. You know, we've been doing seven figures in revenue for five years in a row now. I'm still 100% owner and we don't even have any loans. I mean, I have kept this company funded in the most creative of ways. Uh, that's where this struggle really comes from. And, and even just last week, like the company is taking huge, massive, massive leaps in growth, like not just 2x, we're talking about 5x orders coming from some of our largest retailers, basically overnight out of the blue. And it's been kind of steady. And so I need to grow my inventory but I don't have enough money. So this was last week. And I said, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You don't want to lose this momentum. And I thought of a solution. You know, I thought of a solution and I got some purchase order financing from our factor and boom, done, you know, on we go. And it's like the next level of what we're going to do. Uh, so for me, the biggest challenge over the seven years has been uh, once I made the decision to remain self-funded, knowing I was going to have to really put my thinking cap on and be resourceful and be resilient and, and think of all sorts of different ways to get this company funded. So that's my biggest challenge, but it's also the thing that I'm most proud of. I mean, we've had so many VCs uh, come to us, which has been incredible. I mean, amazing VCs. And I've had dozens of conversations over the years and it just something inside me has said, this is not right. This is not the right move. And I know my personality and I don't want to be told what to do at all. I would not thrive <laughs> in that environment at all. So I knew I needed to find and continue to need to find different ways to keep the cash flow coming so we can um, support this monster growth, you know, as the company takes these leaps. Well, I love that you share that you talk with these VCs and it just didn't feel right and that you stayed true to your gut, right? And you kept going. And I think sometimes it, it's hard for people to do that because they're like, oh, well, I, I have a problem and I need help or I need a solution. And so I think that's great that you've stayed kind of core to who you are and what your business should be. And you haven't just pursued external funding and you've gotten creative with how you can continue to keep the business going.
My third clip that I want to share with you is with a gentleman by the name of Brandon Steiner. Now, Brandon is an author, he's a speaker, and he's been around the sports business for quite some time, and he truly is a sports business icon. He's founded a number of companies, including the Steiner Agency. He's been the CEO of Steiner Sports. He also has a company called Collectible Exchange. And he's got great energy, first of all. And I think you're really going to like listening to what Brandon has to say. So have a listen to this clip. But I mean, who's good? Who doesn't need improvement in their health or their job or their relationship with their spouse or their relationship with their kids? I mean, there's so much to do and so much to learn and all that's connected. The, the, the Living on Purpose book just talks about like most people, if you're just doing a money grab, you're not paying attention to your health, or you're not paying attention to your faith. How good are you? I mean, how good are you if you're doing incredibly well financially and your wife, you're not really getting along with her, your husband doesn't really get along with her, your kids don't really talk to you that much. Like, how rich are you? How rich are you when your soul and you don't have a belief in a higher power and you don't believe that even better things can happen above what you've already done. You know, and you don't even have God in your life or having some faith of a higher power in your life. How good are you? And you've got to put energy towards that. I mean, I don't believe in work-life balance, but I do believe in respect-life balance. I do believe you've got to put some energy and time into those things to make sure that it all works out for you because otherwise you'll just be working your tail off, you come home and there'll be an empty closet. Nobody's going to be Nobody's going to care about you because you'll just be a rich old person. I have a friend who is a psychologist and he said something to me once. He's like, you know, when people are on their deathbed, nobody (laughs) ever says, I wish I worked more. Right. And we're so busy work, work, work at the sacrifice of relationships and other things that we need to find fulfillment in our health, our relationships, being with family, friends, people. So absolutely. It's not just about. But one one footnote on that. It's okay to go for the money grab. It's okay to dig your heels in and say, you know something? I want a nicer house. I want a nicer car. And you can go and drive yourself hard to go make some extra money. It's just that when you're doing it for 10, 20, 30 years, it's probably not healthy. But you can go through a, a one or two year or a six month or a few weeks where you're just focused on making as much money as you can because you want that really nice, like my daughter wanted this really expensive pocketbook. I mean, it's okay to money grab and want you know, material things, if that's what makes you kind of happy at the moment, nothing wrong with it. But when you make it a lifelong process where you just need material things to keep you floating, you may end up in a, in a boat that's going to have a lot of holes in it. Collectible thing, I was like, honestly, it was just a money grab. I just want to buy a new car and get off the damn train. It wasn't nothing less. It wasn't nothing more. I just had a high level of non-acceptance. I didn't want to be on that train anymore. I wanted to get a new car and I had to figure out a scheme to make a whole bunch of money. Now, I didn't realize that that idea was going to be monumental as far as coming up with a completely new way of doing autograph collectibles, which was a theme called Remember the Moment. And taking that Messier photo was a great moment in New York sports history. So I started tracking down every athlete that had a great moment. The Joe name at Super Bowl three or Bobby Orr flying through the air, Kirk Gibson, that home run on on the bottom of the ninth against San Francisco. And I started tracking those players down and doing a whole autograph line called Remember the Moment. And that's really what put from that money grab, I was into the whole spirit of trying to connect people back with their favorite moments in sports. And from that money grab, sure enough, I developed a whole company that spiritually and and everything was a good fit. People love that idea that they're able to get something autographed, a piece of something from an athlete that actually was meaningful to them because they were at that game or experienced it. And then we were off to the races, man. So one thing really does lead to another. 
I can't emphasize that enough to anybody listening that you may feel like you're wasting your time doing something. There's no such thing. It's only a waste of time if you don't learn from it or really think past what I always call your first idea is not your best idea. So you have to think past your first idea, whether it's good or bad. This is usually even a better idea when you actually think past it and keep grinding at it. And uh, that's exactly what I was doing. Just constantly keep thinking of the next best thing to do with the idea that I just done. And sure enough, it ended up paying big dividends for me. And I think it's so important what Brandon shares about, you know, don't just be focused on the money grab. It's okay to be motivated and want to succeed and want to have that nice car or that bigger house, but you can't sustain chasing the money forever. And it's so important to not just focus on work, work, work at the sacrifice and the expense of your relationships. And something that I, I watched this video it's been probably a year and a half since I saw it the first time. And I ended up watching it again on YouTube just a while ago. And it was a young kid who was valedictorian from King's Academy in Florida. And in his valedictorian speech, he talked about how he wanted to be valedictorian so much. He learned that he was in the running for it. And so he worked his butt off to be able to get it. And then he got it. And then that felt great for about 15 seconds. And then he was like, that's it. That's it. That's, that's all. I'm not supposed to feel any different. Like I worked so hard for this just to feel this way for 15 seconds. And that was it. And then he talked about how he had sacrificed relationships during that year so that he could achieve this goal. And then what he said, and I think this is so powerful, and I would encourage you to go Google what um, Google this video and watch it. But then he talks about the 16th second, and he talks about what are you, the 16th second is going to come, and make sure that you are not sacrificing relationships at in pursuit of a goal. And that goes back to what, what Brandon said here. And so again, Google it. Kyle Martin is the young man's name and King's Academy. He does his valedictorian speech. I think you're going to find it powerful and it's, it coincides with what Brandon has to say. So if you want to chase the money grab for a little bit, go ahead and chase it. But at the end of the day, really make sure that you're focusing on relationships that matter. Look, we know that life is short. We've had some uh, celebrities pass away this year that have been, they've just been icons and they've been gone way too soon. Most recently, Chadwick Boseman, aka T'Challa, aka the Black Panther. He was such a wonderful, wonderful person, both on screen and off, did so much to impact the lives of others in a positive way. I was in shock and disbelief when I learned of his passing. And it was just another reminder to me about tomorrow is never promised to anyone. It's never guaranteed. I learned that when my dad passed away very unexpectedly, almost four years ago. And it's something that I think about a lot. And so don't lose sight of your relationships as you're pursuing whatever goals that, that you have for yourself and looking to move the ball. So relationships are important too. And so the last clip that I want to share with you is from an episode that I did with a gentleman by the name of Peter Taunton. And so Peter is a pioneer in the fitness industry. He's an expert at understanding consumer desires and how to fulfill them. And back in 2003, Peter had a vision for Snap Fitness. And today, there are Snap Fitness franchises in 2,500 locations across 26 countries. So 
big, big expansion for his brand, which has been fantastic. He's also done many other things in the fitness space. He's acquired and founded several other brands such as Nine Round, Ferrell's Yoga Fit, Seal Fitness, and Fitness On Demand. So he's done a lot of different uh, great things. When you look at all of his franchises across the globe, he's got over 6,000 locations. And he's also done uh, 165 million workouts. So uh, very big industry expert in the fitness space. And I want to share with you a clip where he talks about a lesson that he learned at a very young age and just some great advice. When my twin and I turned eight years old, my dad said, okay, guys, it's time to go to work. My dad, was, he's a real old school guy. You're either going to school, you're playing sports, or you're working for him. He, he kept you busy. That was probably a good idea because I was just a typical rambunctious kid. Keeping me busy served me well. So anyway, um, that was my first chapter of literally going to work, having to show up, be on time, you know, really take the bull by the horns, pop popcorn. And, and as, as trivial as that is, but you know what, you've got to go into the store, you've got to buy the popcorn, get the oil, pop it, you're sitting behind the stand. It's a, another level of accountability. And you're not being accountable to your parents, you're being accountable to your customers and, and to the responsibility of the job. Sure. And what was the biggest lesson that you learned from that experience? Well, it's, it's kind of funny, and I, I, I tell the story all the time, but it's so true, and it's so real. As I, as I sit here today in my 50s, I never would have thought that that first lesson I learned at eight years old would hold true today. And I, and I tell you, it was, I, it was a Saturday morning. My father walks by, by, walks by my popcorn stand, gets about 40 feet past me. He stops in his tracks. He pivots, and he comes straight back towards me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what did I do? And I'm kind of going through my mental checklist of, he stops and he says, hey, son, how are sales? And I was going to give him my little eight-year-old dissertation of why sales were kind of slow that day. I, I spit out about 15 words and he goes, son, it's slow because you're sitting behind the counter. You're not getting out from behind that counter and going and, and chasing your business. You're letting the business come to you rather than going getting the business. And I said, all right. So uh, when, my, when my dad walked away, I started, I walked around the counter to where the people were and I would approach people and say, Hi, would you like some popcorn? I just popped it. It's fresh. It tastes great. And Well, naturally, my sales about doubled. And I realized that first lesson, hey, look, don't just wait for things to happen. Go make things happen. And that's true in just about everything you're pursuing in your life. I learned at that early age, go get it. If you want something in life, whether business or life, go get it. It's not going to fall in your lap. You got to chase it down. Absolutely. Now let's flip it. And what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? I would tell them uh, patience. I would tell them patience works in life and it works in business. You have to have both of them. And determination are, are two things. I mean, and if I go beyond that, then I'm going to get into being well capitalized and it's going to be, here's the fundamentals that you need to start a business. But just if I could give two things, two, two great qualities to have, patience and determination, because there are going to be times in your life that you're going to you're going to want to quit and you just got to you got to suck it up. You got to get up. You got to dust yourself off and you got to press forward. And I really liked what Peter had to say or the advice that his dad gave him. Look, don't just wait for things to happen. Go make them happen. And that's true whether you're an entrepreneur or not, but especially as entrepreneurs, it all rides on you. When I left the corporate space, I mean, it's great having a paycheck every two weeks deposited in that bank account. But when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have that paycheck deposit. So 
everything rides on you and you can't just sit back and take a back seat and just wait for customers to come to you. You have to be proactive. You have to suit up. You have to show up and you have to look how you're going to move that ball each and every day, even more so when you're an entrepreneur. So don't just wait for things to happen. Put your plan together, figure out what you need to do and go out there and make things happen. So I hope that you found this episode to be packed with some great pieces of advice. Please let me know. Again, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Leave me a review. Always you can reach out to me on social media. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if there's other guests that you want to have on the show. And really, I hope that you take back control of 2020. Again, we have four months left to go this year. Let's make this something great and make sure that every day you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.